Welcome to the next in the Editor's JNIS podcasts. I'm delighted today to welcome Evan Luther and Robert Stark from the Department of Neurological Surgery at the University of Miami to discuss their manuscript entitled National Reduction in Cerebral Arteriovenous Malformation Treatment Correlated with Increased Rupture Incidence. And now we'll have a brief word from our sponsor, Rapid Medical. Rapid Medical pioneers adjustable intravascular tools that offer physicians expanded capabilities without compromise between safety and efficacy. So if you are looking for your devices to do a bit more for you, solutions such as Tiger Trever 13, the smallest thrombectomy device in use, adjust to the vessel, allowing you to relax tension of the device prior to retrieval. For more information, email info at rapid-medical.com. Welcome, Evan and Bobby. It's uh, great to see both of you, and thank you so much for being part of this podcast. This is uh, exciting work, and I congratulate you uh, for it. I should also mention that this uh, manuscript is currently on the JNIS website. Just to get rolling here, this analysis that you performed is uh, using the National Inpatient Sample. Um, It's an analysis of uh, more than 150,000 AVM admissions. Uh, Can one of you briefly summarize uh, the results and conclusion of your your study? First of all, thanks so much for having us and uh, strong team effort by the authors and and lead author, Evan Luther. So we looked at just over 150,000 admissions from AVM patients from 2003 to 2017 in the national inpatient sample to look at how changes in hemorrhages or bleeding rates occurred over time versus treatment rates. And briefly during that time period, looking at the years after 2014, looking at primarily the time period after the Aruba publication, we saw that there was a decrease in the overall treatment rate from about 28% down to about 22%. Conversely, there was an increase in ruptured AVN emissions during that time point from about 15% to 19%. And these findings were all statistically significant. Additionally, in 2017 was the first year that the annual AVM rupture rate surpassed the annual AVM intervention rate. So the uh, AVM rupture rate had increased in 2017 to approximately 21%, and the intervention rate had reached almost 20%. So in conclusion, after 2014, the likelihood of intervention for unruptured AVMs decreased while the incidence of ruptured AVMs increased. These findings suggest that fewer unruptured AVM treatments may lead to increases in AVM rupture incidence, but further research is certainly necessary. Yeah, fantastic. Evan, maybe you could uh, discuss a little bit uh, the statistical analysis that went into developing uh, this research. You mentioned multivariable logistic regression uh, was used to uh, assess the likelihood of AVM intervention 
pre and post 2014. And we should mention at this segment that uh, 2014 obviously was the year of publication of the Aruba trial, uh, which um, was obviously a, a real inflection point in terms of our management and approach to AVMs. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, you know, we used an adjusted uh, logistic regression model uh, to evaluate whether unruptured AVMs had higher or lower likelihood of undergoing intervention in the post-Aruba period. What we found, uh, as you can uh, see in the manuscript, uh, that the odds ratio there uh, was significantly lower uh, in the post-Aruba period for interventions for unruptured AVMs. Conversely, what we also found is that there was no significant difference in interventions uh, for ruptured AVMs in the, those two time periods. The other important, you know, kind of more overarching theme that, that uh, is the, the linear segmented regression model that we performed because I think we really wanted to see how these things were changing over time. Uh, so initially, what we what we did was that we performed a, just a, a linear regression model uh, of both intervention rates and rupture rates uh, over the the time period from 2003 to 2017. And what we found for unruptured AVMs is that the intervention rates had already been declining. So from 2003 uh, to 2014, we noticed that there was already a, a decline in intervention rates for unruptured AVMs. <laughs> What we found then, we kind of asked ourselves, why, why are we having this decline? And is there a change in decline you know, in the post-Aruba period that, that is steeper than the decline that we're already seeing? And what we found is that post-2014, we found that there was a much uh, steeper decline in intervention rates in the years following Aruba. So that's when we brought in this idea of the linear segmented regression, where we, we did a regression model going up to 2014 and then a regression model following 2014 and found that there was a significant change in, in direction of, of interventions. So then that kind of also uh, made us backtrack and ask ourselves the question, what happened to ruptured AVMs? Uh, because we found that there wasn't really a significant increase in rupture rates from 2003 to 2011. But following 2011, we noticed a steady kind of gradual increase in rupture uh, incidents. Uh, so then that's when we kind of, this kind of snowballed into this question of why are we seeing this lag in rupture incidents following treatment decline? And then is there, are, are these things correlated? If you could elaborate a little bit about the, the lagged linear annual rupture incidents, uh, which started in uh, 2012, and, you know, how that may play out from that time period of 2014 going forward. Uh, obviously, this, this uh, analysis ended in 2017. Are we, are we really capturing all of those ruptures? This was an interesting finding for us when we were going through the data because we were expecting to see an increase in rupture incidents following 2014 rather than, than it occurring before 2014. So we then kind of thought to ourselves, well, why is this occurring? And, and we thought, well, if we, can, if we see that there's already kind of a small, steady decline in unruptured AVM treatments from 2003 to 2014, then that must have some effect on rupture incidents. So when we looked back, we said, well, there's an eight-year lag period. So if we have a, a steady, gradual decline of unruptured AVM treatments from 2003, to 2011, then we see a, a change point at 2012 for ruptured AVMs. And that means that 
Somehow, we suspect that these decreases over time in, in unruptured AVM treatments has then slowly then correlated with a lag period for increased rupture incidence. And I think this kind of, you know, attests to the idea that, you know, our understanding of AVM rupture incidence is, you know, roughly 2 to 4% per year, you know, uh, if we talk overarching AVMs, uh, all comers, but that it's a it's a cumulative rupture risk, and that eventually the small percentage decline, meaning those those AVM treatments, those unruptured AVMs that were going to be treated are no longer being treated, that eventually that cumulative risk will build up and then we'll experience a rupture event. But that it may take time, and we don't know how long that may be, uh, in order for that cumulative risk to be put over that threshold. But this data here suggests that it's uh, at least probably an eight-year lag period. Yeah, that's uh, that's not entirely surprising uh, uh, given the natural history of AVMs. This kind of dovetails a bit into the post-Aruba studies that uh, that were performed. There are a multitude of, of these studies that have been undertaken. You mentioned in your discussion that some of those studies may actually not be comprehensive enough. Why do you think that your epidemiological study uh, is more comprehensive in terms of its analysis? That's a good question. I mean, I think um, looking back at some of the other studies, uh, one, I think you have to have a very good understanding of how the NIS works in order for you to actually evaluate the data. So um, the national inpatient sample is, as it, as it suggests, a, a 20% sample of all participating hospitals uh, in the country. And what they do is they then extrapolate that data. So they, they provide each individual admission and hospital with a weight. And that weight varies uh, depending on the hospital, the location of the hospital, that whether they're an urban hospital or rural. And that weight has to be applied in order for you to have a true understanding of what the national total uh, admissions look like for whatever pathology you're evaluating. So some of these prior epidemiology studies were looking just solely at the data that's provided in the NIS and not providing that weight, that weight to the sample. And I think that that in and of itself uh, can can skew the results tremendously because you're, they're only looking at the raw data provided by the, the NIS. Yeah, I thought it was interesting in your analysis that you, you mentioned that um, that AVMs, both ruptured and unruptured, uh, had a higher tendency uh, in this time period to present to, to smaller hospitals or not, uh, not major centers. Can you guys uh, hypothesize why that would be the case? We have certainly seen a larger diffusion, strokes, subarachnoid hemorrhages, you know, from ruptured aneurysms, and then complex cerebrovascular disease to a lot more hospitals than before. I'm not sure in Arizona, but certainly in Florida, most of the hospitals want to be a stroke center so that they can give TPA. And even if they have low numbers, a lot of them want to be able to bill and do thrombectomies. And so that has um, really changed the parameters on where these patients probably present and end up. And we see a lot more complex cerebrovascular cases going to other centers where they might get an angiogram and then be transferred over to a tertiary center like ourselves. Why don't we get into some of the limitations of your study? You, you did a nice summary at the, uh, at the conclusion of the manuscript detailing some of those. Um, and, and some of those points are 
that the NIS may not account for readmissions, rupture and then re-rupture of the AVM and uh, the impact of AVM grade. Perhaps, Bobby or, or Evan, you could discuss a little bit uh, the limitations of this study. Yeah, certainly. Uh, um, just as you said, I mean, you know, the NIS, I think, is, is a snapshot in time, meaning that it only captures what happens in that single hospital admission. Uh, so I think when you're evaluating these things, you have to understand that there is you know, the potential that these, uh, that these patients get readmitted with a re-rupture event. And so in- instead of capturing that as one single patient, it's being captured as two because it's two separate hospital admissions. And I think, you know, to that end, you know, the overarching theme of the manuscript was not to say that the, that this is the end-all, be-all, that this lag period that, we're, that we observed here is, is the answer, but more that it's an, uh, continuing to open the door to more questions. You know, I think in, in my mind, the, uh, Aruba certainly showed us that treatment of AVMs is not without risk. And I don't really think that, you know, that this, you know, manuscript should be a wholesale condemnation of the results of Aruba, but it certainly... Should should hope us you know hope to prompt the discussion that that some of these lesions should be treated, or at least be thoughtfully evaluated. But I think you know uh, as any large database study, there's always you know potential error for coding as well uh, in the NIS. But I, I think overall the main limitations are really just that is that it's really a snapshot in time. I guess some of the other you know important limitations to also consider is that. You know, these are based on admissions. So if, if a patient presents to one hospital and then they get admitted to another hospital, that's going to be potentially coded twice. Although um, multiple re-bleeds by the same patient may also not be appropriately reflected. There is, you know, over time, the National Inpatient Sample has really improved its recording of data now that we have sort of overall morbidity indices, and there's also a modified subarachnoid hemorrhage outcomes scale, similar to the modified ranking scale that's available through the national inpatient sample. And we do have some granulated data, like we can cross-reference how many patients had aneurysms, but specific factors like AVM size or grade uh, or specific features, we don't have. You know, and that's really important because if you go all the way back, when we think about, as Dr. Luther said, the overall, quote, bleeding rate of unruptured AVMs is commonly quoted as 2 to 4%. But it actually, we know from the original Moore paper published in Neurology of about 650 patients followed prospectively, that the bleeding rate for AVMs varies from about 0.9% a year to 35% per year based on whether they've had a rupture, what the patient's age is, whether it's a deep location, and whether the drainage is deep. So there is actually a tremendous variance in rebleeding rates, even with unruptured AVMs, as we know. And that's why we only put the really high-risk patients or the patients with equipoise into Aruba. Um, So that being said, we do have some significant limitations in terms of the national inpatient sample, but the obvious positive is we can get 20% of overall hospital admissions with a very large number of patients. And that is clearly reflected in the, in the manuscript. Another limitation which I think is important to mention is that 
the NIS uh, really is only focused actually uh, on admissions. And there are therapies such as radio surgery that are performed on an outpatient basis. How does that impact this study? What kind of numbers do you think we'd be looking at if we were looking at all comers, patients treated and then discharged the same day? I think that's a great question. I mean, certainly the radio surgery, once we add in that treatment modality, overall treatment and interventions would be higher. You know, it's possible with improved awareness and changes over time that radio surgery numbers are increasing. There's been some data on that. But it should be fairly similar throughout those years that we're looking at in the database. And again, it shouldn't necessarily change just for radio surgery during those time periods. So we published a, a similar paper, I believe, in Stroke, looking at gamma knife radio surgery in a Aruba-type cohort, looking at changes over time. And there, there probably are generally increased rates of gamma knife for radio surgery, but probably overall, those still had a dip or a decline following Aruba. We saw the same thing after the publication of the of ISHUA, the International Study of Unruptured Intracranial Aneurysms. You know, again, that was a pre-designed study looking at patients that were high risk for intervention or low risk for rebleeding from aneurysms. They went into an international study and we followed them prospectively. And the rebleeding rates or the bleeding rates looked quite low in the publication. And then once that, came, that publication came out, over the next number of years, there was a significant decline in treatment of unruptured aneurysms and an increase in bleeding rate. So I think this sort of parallels exactly what we're seeing here. Yeah, really speaks to the uh, the power of these prospective analyses and, and how they can change treatment. We saw that with uh, mechanical thrombectomy in the failed trials uh, early in the uh, 2010s. And then the impact, uh, obviously, when we perform better trials. Speaking of that, I want to conclude here basically by, by picking your brains a bit uh, as to how do we answer the question of whether unruptured AVM should be treated and what is that optimal treatment paradigm? You allude to this a bit in your discussion, but what's the next step here for you guys? I think the, the most important thing is, is AVMs you know, need to be assessed both through patient and AVM characteristics. And that's, you know, usually when we're seeing patients, that's about a hundred factors put together. I think ideally they're seen by experts that are trained in all modalities, or they're seen comprehensively at a center that, you know, has neurologists that can provide excellent medical care, care for their seizures, has neurointerventional radiologists, has vascular neurosurgeons and has uh, radiation oncologists, and that those teams can work together to come up with the optimal plan to assess the natural history, again, based on patient and AVM characteristics in reflected according to the risks and benefits of each of the treatment modalities. You know, and that helps us, I think, as a team decide, first of all, should the AVM be treated? And then if so, what's the best treatment or treatments? Certainly. Evan, do you have anything to add to that? I was just going to say that I think in terms of, you know, evaluating, you know, treatment for these lesions is that I think the results of this study kind of suggest to, to me at least that that eight-year lag period means that, that if we're really going to do prospective studies on AVMs, we have to understand that there is some upfront risk of treatment 
that may be seen in the first couple of years uh, when we're prospectively following these lesions, but that to really understand the cumulative rupture risk in these patients, we have to follow them much longer. So I think we have to understand that there may be some differences early on in the study between outcomes, but that we have to continue to, to evaluate these patients long-term before we make any final decisions about what to do. Certainly. I think that's an excellent point. Well, I want to thank both of you for being part of this podcast today. Your manuscript, National Reduction in Cerebral Arteriovenous Malformation Treatment Correlated with Increased Rupture Incidence, is currently on the JNIS website and will be published in print uh, in the upcoming months. Again, the conclusion of your manuscript was that after 2014, the likelihood of intervention for unruptured AVMs decreased, while the incidence of ruptured AVMs increased, suggesting that fewer unruptured AVM treatments may lead to increases in AVM rupture incidents. Tremendously important work, guys, and I applaud you for your efforts. Thanks again.